Welcome to the Fat Fuel Family Podcast, where every week, Danny and Mauda Vega discuss topics that help families live a healthy and active lifestyle with their little ones, including nutrition and training, peaceful parenting, education, and mindset. To stay up to date, make sure to hit subscribe on this podcast and check out the blog at www.fatfuel.family. You can also find them on Facebook and Instagram at dannyvega.ms, at fatfueledmom, and at fatfueledkids, and fatfueledfamily on YouTube. Enjoy the show. What's that? Oh, this? Yeah. It's just my uh, keto brick. Keto brick? What, what's, what's a keto brick? Well, keto brick, well, it's an actual brick, which is awesome <laughs> because it lasts me a really long time. Can't say the same for you. Nope. <laughs> but keto brick is um, an awesome keto-friendly snack that um, it could be used so many ways, you guys, seriously. But it is keto-friendly, high-fat, low-carb, has really, really good macros. It's shelf-stable, which I love because I like to take it with me when I leave the house with the kids. Um, and it's got no sweeteners, none of the crap that we're usually staying away from. So no allulose, erythritol, corn fiber, um, soy, any of that stuff that we're usually avoiding. But it makes such a great snack. I also love it just as a treat. I like to put it in my coffee and... The kids love it, so that's a plus. I totally agree, and I have one of these every single day. <laughs> An entire brick. Uh, yeah, I like to. Everybody knows I like to crush mine up into cereal um, and have it like a cereal. My current favorite flavors are peanut butter and chocolate peanut butter cup, which we have right here next to us. What about you? I really love the peanut butter because it's nice and smooth. But my my other favorite flavor would probably be toasted coconut. Yeah, toasted that almond coconut really is amazing. Um, and yeah, of course, as you all know, we are great friends with the owners of this company, Robert Sykes and Crystal Sykes. And both of them, when this started, they were just wrapping these things up in aluminum foil and shipping them out themselves, pulling all nighters. And here we are several years later. It's an amazing company, guys. They have vegan options, vegan friendly options, as well as whey options. So the two flavors that I mentioned are uh, chocolate peanut butter cup and peanut butter and the chocolate peanut butter cup is whey and the peanut butter is with the pea protein. So if you don't tolerate whey, no worries. Or if you're on a vegan diet, no worries. You can have the peanut butter. So guys, click on the link in the description of this podcast episode and check out the Keto Bricks ASAP. It gets the Fat Fuel family seal of approval. Anything else? Um, no, that's it. It makes a really great snack. Um, a little trick, I will just give one last tip, is if you want to melt it down, I like to melt it down and put it in little molds to yes. make it just bite sizes for the kids because it a, it's a brick. It is a brick. <laughs> Get your keto bricks. Do it. Welcome to the Fat Fuel Family Podcast. I'm your host, Danny, and I am joined by my resilient wife. Seriously. Boy, you are so resilient, These aren't boys you? are intense. Yeah, yeah, we just had a major, major uh, meltdown right before <laughs> oh, getting course. on the air <laughs> that uh, left our car handle on the passenger side broken off. Somehow that happened. Mm -hmm. I got Hulk for a wife. She pulled the, the car handle and it just flew off. <laughs> but anyways, we are super it didn't, excited. It felt like it was hanging by a thread. Oh, what, did it? Okay. I don't think it would have taken that much. Well, honestly, we're just really excited. We want to get this started, but we want to introduce our guests first. So today we have Crow and Jason Lindgren from the Crow 777 podcast. The Crow 777 podcast is the result of the worldwide reaction to the now famous lunar wave footage first filmed in September of 2012, as well as the now massive collection of astounding HD clips shot from 2012 to present and uploaded on the Crow 777 channel, rest in peace, 
As Crow's popularity grew on YouTube, so did censorship and limitations with regarding to producing anything resembling free speech or uncensored video. Everything produced on YouTube by Crow has been limited by a line drawn by those in charge, which limits what can be talked about or shown in video. During the past several years, Crow has given a number of interviews, which sparked the follower interest needed to launch this podcast. In short, this podcast is the result of interested people wanting to know more about our world and each and every member of the Crow 777 Radio <clears throat> podcast will be supporting free speech. Crow777radio.com provides members with direct access to Crow, Jason, and Rose through comments and all troll-free as this site is privately operated, free of any social media restriction, data mining, trolling, and frankly, BS. This site is meant for an adult conversation free of the growing restrictions and censorship of social media. Free speech is the goal, and it's time to challenge everything, all of it. We haven't been this excited for guests since our chat with Dr. Andy Kaufman, who's also a Crow 777 veteran. This episode is going to be titled Belief is the Enemy of Knowing, and we're excited to have on Crow and Jason Lindgren. Gentlemen, welcome. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having us on. And a very fine good morning. <laughs> Mata's awesome. laughing because well, we always hear Jason. Always. And a very fine good morning. <laughs> yeah, every time. <laughs> I love well, it. gentlemen, we always lead with the question, what is the most critical problem you are currently trying to solve? I guess I'll, yeah, I'll jump in. Um, right now, common sense is not very prevalent in our world. And part of the reason for the lack of common sense is fear. So those are the two issues that I primarily try to deal with on the podcast, to reintroduce some common sense and to dispel the fear, which is basically an illusion. Yeah. Wow. So I guess I can follow that up with dealing with the nonsense that's going on right now and getting people to, uh, the vast majority of people to get out of their stupor and realize that this is a great big dark magic spell and not a lot of reality. Right. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's magic. And it it's like, magic. I think people need to first accept that there is magic. And it's like, it's funny because, you know, I've heard you say this so many times, Crow. It's like, we don't have to believe this, but they truly, truly believe in it. And, you know, if they believe in it, that's a starting point for us to be like, maybe we should really look into this stuff. Why are they putting all these weird numbers? Why are there so much symbols in everything that that we see and consume I think that's the first step is just making people aware that, no, this is not pareidolia or one of these other excuses. We see obvious patterns that, you know, continue. And it's mind blowing how many hundreds of years some of these patterns and numbers and gematria and all this craziness has been going on. But, you know, you tell people and it's like they're still hitting you with like conversations that, you know, it's like the kindergarten level of conversation where you're you're not even at fifth grade level yet. Bro, let's talk about first about this lunar wave, because this thing, you know, we watched Shoot the Moon. We watched it a few times and it was amazing just to see what the heck that is. But, you know, why don't you give our listeners a story on what led you capturing the lunar wave and then the subsequent response from astronomers around the world and and then even, you know, your eventual censoring on YouTube. Actually, ironically, when they deleted my YouTube channel in the fall of, what was it, 2017, I think, they wiped out a community of about 100,000 and they blamed it on a lunar wave clip for the third strike, which I didn't even shoot that clip. Someone else did and asked me to post it. And as everyone knows, they put the channel back with a kind of censorship algorithm on anything to do with my name. When the day before they did it, you'd put in Crow 777, I don't know, you get 16 to 20 some million returns. The day they put the channel back, 
you get a couple thousand and that's geographically where you are also matters and what your returns are. As a matter of fact, to this day, you can put Lunar Wave in, which used to get millions. You can get 100,000 returns, but if you add my name to it, it goes way, way, way down to, to very little. But the Lunar Wave was shot on what I consider to be the true equinox in the fall of 2012. It was an actual equal day and night day, not the announced equinox, and I filmed it by accident. When that happened, I was blown away. It took me a while to come to grips because I was trying to explain it away. It must be my camera, it must be something, which is clearly not correct. When I finally had the epiphany, it jolted me because I realized there's no denying this is a filmed event. This is real. This thing happened and I just luckily filmed it. So I held on to that clip for a year. I was a webmaster at the time and I knew where social media was going. I could already see the writing on the wall. I didn't want Facebook. I didn't want any of it, but people kept saying, you got to post this so people can see it. So I opened up a YouTube channel in the fall, late October, mid-October of 2013, I think. And I posted that clip and all hell broke loose. Like you can't imagine. It shocked me. I was living my life one way, one day, and then that was done. Just like within a day or two, that was done. Everything had changed. And just about exactly a month later, the Flat Earth community gained steam and came onto everyone's radar. And all the work I'd been doing became associated with that because the idea, I guess, was if we don't know simple things about the sky clock or the moon, what else don't we know about? And this went on. It was hell to pay for about a year and a half. And then I filmed the second known lunar wave at the time, which wasn't actually true. Others had filmed it. They just didn't know. And then it became, you're absolutely faking this. How come you're the only guy in the world that's ever seen these things? And <laughs> finally, other people started adding to what we know. The rest is history, but it was a rugged ride from the point that I posted it to almost two years later. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. You know, I can't even imagine. <laughs> you know, for me, so much has happened, Crow. I mean, the last year and a half, we started listening to your podcast at the same time that we discovered Owen Benjamin. And it wasn't even like it was completely separated. Our buddy Nick, I think he's spoken to you guys a few times. Nicholas, oh man, he does some stuff with uh, Thaddeus Owen. But anyways, he's like, yeah, have you ever heard Crow Triple Seven? And I was like, no. And so I started listening to that and I started listening to Big Bear at the same time. So you can imagine for us, I mean... I already knew all the stuff about I was in New York City when that thing happened. I was, you know, in college there at the time. And that was kind of what opened up my mind to a lot of the stuff. But you guys, you know, systematically just one by one when it comes to everything from programming to Freemasonry, just everything, nukes, everything that you could, th you know, you guys broke so many spells. So it was it was so helpful for me. But you guys have obviously recorded a ton of valuable episodes also on the legal aspect of everything. And, you know, this ongoing fight for, for personal autonomy and just, yeah, just sovereignty. So, you know, as much as you can talk about it on this platform. Jason, let me add something. I should have added something. Uh, I don't know how the Lunar Wave, before we move on, got the name Lunar Wave. I don't remember if I said it or someone else said it, but that's what stuck. And at the time, I was pretty convinced that the equinoxes and the moon were centric to what we were seeing, and that is not true. We know for a fact that is not true. And if I was going to rename the lunar wave today, I would call it a firmament wave because it's been filmed 
two, three times in front of Jupiter, another time in front of Saturn, which tells us you can probably film it anywhere in the sky where there's a backlighting, a planet, so-called planet or a moon or something to let you see it. For that matter, the sun should be able to do it. But we know certainly across the ecliptic or the path of the sun and the moons, it can be filmed. So it is not centric to the moon and apparently not directly related to equinoxes. Anyhow, go ahead and move on. I always try to get that out there. Yeah, because... that's actually, yeah, that's important. That's a great point. It's actually much more accurate to call it a firmament wave. It just so happens. Probably. Yeah, I mean, the, the big old you know circle thing in the sky is so well lit that it would make sense that you're going to catch that so much more often. But based on what you've said in the past, based on what I know, based on biblical cosmology, and well, pretty much most ancient cosmologies, it's pretty mind-blowing how in tune they were with the, you know, with the sky clock, with just the paths of the heavenly bodies. It's the firmament. It's that that's kind of, and it's so weird, man. It's so weird because it's almost like there's gradients to the, the medium you know, I don't know if you guys remember this. this I'm going to take us off course here for a second. That go fast rocket that they launched a few years ago. Mm, sure. You know, even before it hit that little kerplunk, you could tell that just by the sounds, it was already sounding like for several, however many hundreds of feet, like it was already in some sort of underwater type of medium. A different Have, type of medium, yeah. Yeah, like it's good. almost like there was gradients before you get to that really hard stop like have you guys been able to see anything else on that part of it where we know that it's well we don't really know but we're pretty sure that there's this hard container but i'm thinking about before you get to that part have you guys looked into any of that like kind of the the changes in the in the viscosity of the medium so you're basically talking about our atmosphere yeah the atmosphere and we know, you know, if you go up a really tall mountain, there's less oxygen to breathe, but it's all been misdescribed. The old alchemists used to say, we know for a fact the sun is not hot. If the sun was hot, every mountaintop would not be covered with snow. As a matter of fact, the closer to the sun you get, the colder it gets. There's all these old things that are just so far away from the way we think. But if you logically take apart what they're trying to tell you, you begin to realize I need to reframe my vision here. I've been thinking about these things completely wrong. So I think it's pretty clear the higher you go. As a matter of fact, it would not surprise me. And this is just a point of view that I've been thinking about a long time. All these little things I filmed up there that are absolutely man-made tech and absolutely in our atmosphere, I think they're probably drawing the energy they use from the atmosphere up there. I think they're just permanently not needing a battery or a tank of fuel. I think that things like this were commonly known back in the day. And I can't tell you for sure, but what I can tell you is if you go to the oldest stuff you can get your hands on, they were so much closer to the mark and they were making a real effort to tell the truth about, I guess we call it the creation. By the way, let me add something about the lunar wave thing. If there are any negative Nancys coming at Crow saying, how come you're the only one to have filmed this? Well, that's about the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard because several dozen different people have filmed just the moon one. And then, as Crow mentioned, uh, two different people have gotten Jupiter and the same person who got one of the Jupiter ones also got Saturn. So this is some phenomenon that is not just completely unique to Crow's experiences. No, not by a long shot. Yeah, and I definitely want to join the ranks. You know, like it took me months to get rid of my old DSLR 
you know, I just was holding out for a better price, you know, because I wanted I wanted to get rid of it for a good price so that I can get a P900 or a P1000. So, you know, a month ago, I get a P900 used and I'm all excited about it and I don't have a tripod and I'm and he doesn't know how to use it <laughs> and I don't know how to use it and I'm just I'm zooming in on everything and I'm like, okay, there's the moon and I go to zoom in and then I'm I'm not able to focus on anything because imagine, you know, as zoomed in as I am, and I wasn't even all no, the way zoomed in. Yeah, I, so we're definitely missing a good tripod. We're, we're going to need to get a tripod. But I mean, for anybody who's curious, just freaking look. I mean, the P900 that I got was like used at 600 something bucks. And I mean, it's unbelievable. Once I figure out how to use it, I definitely want to see if I can, you know, get some of these things because there's nothing better than seeing it for yourself. Like when yeah. you just see stars. Yeah, it used to be that you had to have a scope to do what the P900 will do. So at least a small scope to get where you've gotten with that technology. But there's you're, there's no way you're going to pull this off without a tripod. The more you magnify, the more every jiggle is amplified in the visual medium you're creating. You have to be rock solid. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even even my heartbeat is going <laughs> to throw it yeah, off. No, no kidding. No, it's Truly. Oh, man, I hate to get off this topic, but I just, I want for... You know, so many people tell us, and it's it's hard for me to hear. I, I don't have a lot of patience for it, but I understand that not everyone is in my position. You know, I'm a business owner. I quit working for the beast like in 2018. I was in it to my forehead. I was a medical device rep for 10 years and I just quit. I couldn't take it anymore. But now what I'm seeing is, you know, so many people who are telling me, you know, using this language like I have no choice or what am I supposed to do? And so, you know, I wanted to, for you guys to, as much as we can, with all the legal episodes and guys, we're just going to put links to a lot of this stuff. But I've been saying for months now that everybody needs to get a paid membership to Crow777.com. It doesn't make sense. If you want to just get an hour, that first hour, it's always great, but you really get the really good stuff in the yeah. second hour. And it's, what is it, 80, 85 bucks for the year. It's totally worth it. And a lot of these... I think we should point out it's actually crow777radio.com. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know what? I've said that a few times. Yeah, it is. You've, crow and triple, I've done it wrong because you yeah. told me that. Crow, crow yeah, crow777radio.com. There's some crow imitators too. Yeah, yeah. There was. <laughs> oh, you guys asked them? <laughs> no. Nothing to do with me. I mean, you reap what you sow, right? So he was sowing amen. fraud and he must have harvested. <laughs> yeah, amen. That. Yeah. So, you know, as much as we can talk about it on this platform, like, you know, what are some of the biggest takeaways from, you know, these guests like Alphonse Fagiolo and Agent J and more recently Be Freely? Well, all of them give hope. I'll start with that. They're pointing out the fact that you don't have to do anything crazy. Like, I love bringing this up because so many people are hung up on it and there's so much information out there now. It's generally called Patriot mythology. It's kind of a blanket term. But people get into some really silly notions that you have to become the Lord Grand Poobah of the post office and all this sort of thing to be able to do anything with a court system or the legal system. And it's just not true. Most of these people are pointing out the fact that if you actually understand how the system works, for the most part, corruption aside, because that's kind of its own issue, but for the most part, if you understand how a court system actually works, it works fine. Now, you can get into some issues where there might be a corrupt judge or corrupt attorneys, but there's ways of dealing with them as well. It just can suck and can deter you a little bit and maybe put you on a detour. But dealing with an attorney, for instance, who's kind of a piece of crap, well, you can hit them with a bar grievance and they're going to 
they're going to get ants in their pants real quick if you do that. That's the kind of thing you can learn about. And you'll never have heard that ever before if you don't start looking into the stuff. Like, yeah, you have an attorney, especially on the other side, who's doing some really shady stuff. Well, let's see how he feels after a bar grievance. Is he still doing it? Let's see how he feels about a second one. Yeah. Yeah, Jason, you bring up such a good point. Like, I've seen, you know, so many parallels with some of these episodes on, you know, really what it really takes is for you to turn it on them, you know, to sue them or, you know, to come with some sort of affidavit or. But Jason, what about this, man? You know, it seems like because I have lawyer friends and I love them, you know, but it almost seems like what I'm getting is that it, it almost makes more sense to do this as a layperson because, you know, they're the bar is a thing, you know, like they have allegiance to the bar. So even if the person's working in your favor, you know, what are your guys thoughts on hiring an attorney to do stuff for you? Because be freely, he's just a, a paralegal. That's what I love about these people that you're bringing on. They're lay people. What benefit do we have at this point? You know, unless I guess it's a really close friend or someone you can really trust. What benefit do we have, you know, hiring this out? Well, we got to be careful here. Jason and I cover aspects of law sometimes, but the reason we cover them is because someone has successfully implemented it. Whether or not you want a lawyer or not, that's your business, and I can't tell you a thing about that, but what I can tell you is don't play with the law. It's got teeth, and if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to get bit, and there is enforcement built into the system we're talking about. This is part of the problem. Everybody thinks that the entirety of our system is corrupt, and they can make good arguments. Does anyone know what happens with your birth name? Does anyone know what your birth certificate represents? This is what fuels the patriot mythology, and the problem is, is yeah, some really crappy, shady things have been going on. But the truth is, most people just want to live their life as close to normal as they're used to. In that, we've come a long way from understanding anything about legal ideas. And what we're finding is a person who's up to snuff, who knows up from down, who knows how to conduct themselves, can oftentimes back off what's going on in a legal arena. But, you know, you were talking about a lawsuit. I don't know what Jason feels like. I'd rather step in a pile of dog poop than do go into a lawsuit. That's your life, man. And these things, the Lord knows how much time in your life will be lost and all the just trudgery you got to put it this way. Is there anything worse than having to pick up the phone and talk to your car's insurance company because you got a dent? (laughs) If there's something worse than that, let me know about it because a lawsuit is probably that times 10. So it pays to understand things, to comprehend a better way to say that. It pays to comprehend and it pays to know how to conduct yourself, but at no time would I tell anyone to do anything by themselves unless they know what's going on and so few of us do. Yeah, yeah. good point. Yeah. It's a very, very surface understanding what we get in these episodes that you do, what we get with like looking through the paperwork, you know, actually reading it, talking to people who've used it and it actually works. Because I remember that one episode that you guys did before Alphonse and I was like, okay, I, I guess I can look into this. And I know it didn't work out how we wanted to, but I guess I'm glad because it was complicated. You know, I started talking to people about it and they were like, man, but what if this happens? What if that, what if you start to lose all of your access to certain things? 
it was definitely cool to watch you guys, you know, work through that because I was all over the first guy that came through. I forgot his name. KL. Yeah. Talking about <laughs> KL. Yeah. So that's the idea of reclassifying yourself. Yeah. I guess that one way. didn't ever really didn't didn't really work out as well as we thought. Right. I, I saw a lot of bad feedback. Well, I've seen it go both ways. And so here's the problem. And Jason can tell you, man, with the law thing. We cover one thing, and all these other people that think it should be a different way have nothing good to say about it. Now, I have been around long enough to see the reclassification, and there are some people that think, oh, we'd be better off if we were a state citizen classified. We'd be better off if we were federal. We'd be better off if we were unclassified. And as far as I'm concerned, if you know your stuff, you'll be okay to go the route that you choose. But you're changing your life. This is not social security and services kind of living anymore when you start to go down these roads it's almost like this like tomorrow we're running an episode on owen benjamin and the reason we did it is because we saw so many so-called people from the bear community going back to nature and what that means is i don't need as many goods and services as i used to because i can do things for myself i can grow food i could raise animals i can do all these things going back in time to where we were more capable. What's going on in our world is goods and services are being used like a threatening hammer. So I could ask a person, I'll ask you, do you have to ask permission to breathe air? No, right? That's the creator gifted you with the divine spark and free will, and you can go outside. But you see, that's not exactly true anymore for many people because they didn't ask that simple question So now they have to cover their face and they're not breathing free air. There's a stipulation been put on breathing. And so you can see where this goes. And if you look at the root cause, it's about goods and services. And that's because we become so hyper materialism. I want to get on a plane, but I can't make a plane. I don't know how to make a plane. These other guys over there, they know how to make a plane. They made a plane and now they're telling me to get on their plane There's all these stipulations. And so at the end of the day, if I want to get on the plane bad enough, I'll take the stipulations. That's my own action. And that is the clever kind of tack that's being put against us to let you decide, even if you're coerced into it. And so all these ideas of going back to nature or like I started here, reclassifying, when you start to reclassify, you're starting to say, I'm an adult, I'm responsible for my own self, and I can take care of myself by myself if I need to. Did you say back to nature? That sounds like dangerous extremist talk. <laughs> Very dangerous. <laughs> well, the mainstream thought that not too long ago, too. It's one of the reasons I covered Owen, some of the just terrible, dangerous language they were slinging his way for yeah. raising goats, basically. Yeah. yeah. It's been it's well, wild. Yeah, it's been crazy. We're, we're all about it, man. We're all about what he's, you know, he, the guy's just so freaking smart. You know, what he's talking about I feel like so many of us have that deep within ourselves, like we have that yearning, but it's, it's what, natural, I think. Yeah. But then, <laughs> yeah. but Crow, Crow's been talking about this for how long, Crow, like talking about how it's unbelievable to think that what's taking people down, we haven't even gotten to the coercion. We haven't even gotten to like, yeah. it's not like the law. It's literally corporations holding services over your head. Like you, Crow, like you haven't gotten a haircut, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't need a haircut. I'm not going to get a haircut. I'm not going to put on a mask. You know, I actively choose to forego these services. I mean, what's going to happen when it gets actually serious? Because I'm assuming it, you know, it's only going to escalate. Of course. Vaccine passes. We start having our own services. Exactly. The our people own whose services. brains actually work. Yeah. 
we start helping each other. Right. It's community. It's all about it's community. All about community. That's, it. That's the answer. Th- this whole thing only works. You can use the analogy of what's War of the Worlds guy, Jason? H.G. Wells. No, the movie Orson Welles. Oh, the radio show, you mean? H.G. Wells, Orson Welles. A lot of Wells. But anyhow, think of how that worked. First of all, the War of the Worlds broadcast that flipped out, supposedly, much of America, what drove it? Well, fear drove it initially. But belief. Everybody believed that's what was going on. What we're experiencing now is identical to what happened with War of the Worlds. It's just lasting a lot longer. If we could diminish the fear and get rid of all this believing in things that we're told, this would go no further if enough people did it. And this is also the idea of the 100th monkey, which is often capped at 10%. So 10% of any given population, not even human beings, we're talking about monkeys, this was supposedly discovered in, reaches 10%, and somehow that knowing just enters the mind stream, and others all over the place begin to know it. Well, I would venture a guess to you that we are well beyond 10% of the wake-up kind of committee that's going on in the world. Matter of fact, if I had to venture a blind guess, and it's not 100% blind, I'd say we're over 30%. That means that things like ideas like the 100th monkey or any of these things can begin to transmit almost like a real sickness, (laughs) except it's like mind to mind. My point here is when that begins to happen, the fear will diminish And believing in things that shouldn't be believed in will stop to be so prevalent. And so there's, you know, there could be an act of God tomorrow. Nobody knows what's coming tomorrow. And don't fake like someone's so elite and in control. They got this wrapped up in a bag. I don't hear the fat lady singing is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that because it's a great segue to our next question, kind of getting back to nature and all of that stuff. So the next few questions have been stewing on on our minds for months now and we'd love to get both of your takes on it so there's no doubt that as a collective we have completely divorced ourselves from nature and natural law so first of all crow can you just maybe elaborate a little bit more like can you explain what natural law is from both a scientific and a legal standpoint and explain how we have gotten to where we are i mean we kind of were talking about this yeah yes and no i'm not a legal expert I can't give legal advice. I can't tell you what the best thing to do with an affidavit is. What I do is I cover the people who can, who have successfully done it. But from my way of thinking, it comes down to this. There was a time when an adult human being was an adult human being, and they couldn't be pushed around so easily or scared like a child in a dark room as it is to do these things now. That time wasn't that long ago as we were headed into World War II, There were many adult men and women who wouldn't even take aspirin because they were suspicious of it. What that comes down to is recognizing very simple truths. Is being a human being special? Hell yes, it's special. We are the apex thing here. We have the ability to caretake or destroy more than any other living thing here. If you want to go biblical, you're in charge of it. You even get to name all this. But when you Boil it down and boil it down. What you can be certain of is that you've been gifted what I call the divine spark and free will. And if you understand those two things and understand how critically immense those two things are to be granted, not just given, no strings attached, granted, then if you have free will, what does that imply? That implies you don't have to go around asking permission. It implies that if you're not doing any harm, no harm, no foul. But we've come so far from that where you 
currently as we speak have to ask permission at your workplace to breathe air. <laughs> right. There's something you touched on before that we should probably clarify more as well. There's a reason why we keep having different people on with the law stuff, because just like Crow said, you have one person on and then a zillion detractors come up and say, that's stupid. That doesn't work. You're an idiot. And it's only this way. We have found that that's actually not true. There are multiple ways of approaching law from a broader point of view, like calling it all law and the way all this works, which is why we have all these different people on. But normally, if we bring someone on, it's because they've got some sort of expertise or hopefully some sort of success to say, hey, this is the way I went at things and this is the way I found things to work. And I can share that with you. Yeah, good point. Think of the Agent J letter. There's case in point. If I had to guess, I don't know if you agree with me, Jason, but of anything we've ever covered, I would imagine the Agent J letter may have even surpassed the lunar wave in getting passed around. I actually bump into people because I'm taking care of my mom that are in the medical profession who know who Agent J is. They don't even wow. know who I am. <laughs> It's that far and wide. And so this is the thing. That document has been refashioned to be a statement of fact, just a statement, an affidavit, more of a blown out legal document of some kind. And it's just been used. I mean, I can't even express, Jason, how many people have received it and used and other younger audiences than us on TikTok and places used it when they saw us use it and they got it handed and they, it went viral on their channels. So this is the point. One size does not fit all. One person you meet might say, I am sick and tired of the corruption. I want out of the system totally. I don't want to ever pay tax. I don't ever want to take social security. I don't ever want to use a service called the courtroom. I just want out. But that's a far cry. Most people are, I'm living the way that I live, which I don't really want to change that much, but I'm getting hassled here. Yeah. That's right. where you find the most people. So what I'm pointing out is there is, Jason's key point, there's no right way. It depends on the individual. And what does matter is did, has it worked? Can it be shown to work? That's the main thing. And Agent J is case in point because when she implemented that document with an angel on her shoulder, I like to say, she didn't even turn it into an affidavit or a statement of fact or anything. She just wrote it and submitted it. And those words were so powerful that she was immediately released from the pressure she was under. Her contract was renewed, but I guess there was a little underhandedness because they immediately reclassified her job and put her down in San Diego in an inoculation tent where she began to take stats, which is what she told us on her last show to the point where she couldn't take it anymore. And she left everything, her job, this country, just that's it. I'm done. The ultimate reclassification. Not only am I done, <laughs> I'm gone and done. Well, let me point out, this is why we do what we do. Crow and I do this every single day so that things like the Agent J document can get out there so that this wonderful human being who had success can now pass that forward to help so many other people who don't want to be part of this tyranny. Yeah, and for everyone who's listening right now and doesn't know about the Agent J document, it's an extremely inspired document that, in my opinion, of all the things that I've seen, this person was a mobile nurse. She was you know, being hired, going around, and she was moving all over, I think, during the pandemic. Obviously, they offered her the product. She declined the offer, but just it's so inspired and it's so across the board. It doesn't matter what ism you subscribe to. 
it's just perfect, you know, because it doesn't matter whether you're, I think we can all agree on the facts that she stated in there. Like, look, my, my genetic material is mine. And if you want to do this, I want to make sure that you can guarantee that it can be removed from me when I get off shift and when my whole contract is done, which obviously anybody listening knows that's not possible. You are forever changed when you accept that product. So she included her womanhood in that, by the way. And also I would point out any manager or boss of any kind. Can you imagine any supervisor reading that and then having the nuggets to try to take issue with it? Yeah, it's not possible. It's yeah. just like it's no. you, she put them, painted them into a corner, and it's so awesome. But on the other side of the natural law, you guys have done stuff on cymatics and spagyrics and herbalism and things like that, you know, cell salts. And that's the other side of natural law that I'm thinking of, you know, like what's observable, what's provable, testable, repeatable. But not just that, just like it's obvious that as a species, you know, we've devolved in so many senses of the word, like mentally, spiritually, and even technologically. And for months, I racked my brain trying to figure out just what the heck happened. You know, why has this knowledge disappeared? Why are we no longer able to construct the buildings and the art that was pretty much ubiquitous back in the day for so many hundreds of years? This, my reading of, you know, the Book of Enoch and a few of other books, it had me thinking And I'm so happy I get to ask you guys this because I I really do respect the crap out of you both. You know, what what if there are certain things that we're we're not supposed to know as humans? You know, have you guys ever thought of this and tried to, you know, reconcile it with what we just spoke about? You know, adhering to natural law, respecting natural law. But maybe what if there is some stuff that we're not supposed to know? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Where does the limit come with your free will is what I would ask, right? So if we're granted the divine spark and free will, what it's saying in, if you blow that out in a logical, no nonsense way, what it's basically saying is there's the possibility that every single thing that can happen is now going to happen in this place because everyone can decide to do what they want to do. Bad things are going to happen. Good things are going to happen. Although nature doesn't view it as bad and good, we do that. I don't like that. Therefore, it's bad. The point I would make is if it can happen here, then it's part of the creation. And when you give the apex beings free will, uh, isn't it pretty much go without saying that almost everything that can happen will happen? Can I agree with that? Yeah. And who says that any limitations need to be there? But a lot of the supposed successes that humanity has supposedly achieved seems to be couched in deception. I'm not saying everything or even a ton of them, but there are certain things. For instance, why does NASA show us things that are obvious poppycock? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, NASA. Like, okay, that these are wonderful achievements, then things like video layers failing in a single camera shot, that shouldn't be. They're showing us obvious poppycock. The question is, okay, so if they're doing this wonderful thing, why aren't you showing us the truth? Because I, as a person who's into film and things like that, know that one camera does not have multiple video layers. In a way, the question that you ask also classifies us in the long run for some period of time. Are we worthy to be high, cathedral-making living beings? Or are we some low, slogging, diaper-wearing monkeys slogging in the mud? Um, based on Just the a last second, got to get one more picture on Instagram first. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So based on the last two years, if I asked anyone listening, where would you register us on those two extremes? Uh, The point is, is with that free will is also as a conglomerate 
species or whatever is proper way to refer to all of us, what will we put up with? And if we're willing to put up with hell in a handbasket, well, then guess what? We might as well be monkeys slogging in the mud. If we rise above that, then the promise of higher humanity, and it's not a myth. We can prove it's, go look at Notre Dame Cathedral. Why is it that can't be built now? Someone built that when? During the Dark Ages, you're told. So they came up with some of the most incredible structures you will ever see in your life, full of symbolism and information about being on a path to become a higher man or woman. But that was done in the Dark Ages. This is what we're talking about. So the onslaught that Jason's referring to is the fall we've taken. It's pretty clear that people facilitated that fall who had a lot of knowing. So the deck was stacked. But here we are, man. Is there anyone who doubts it right now? So what are we going to do about it? And if we don't do anything about it, then I guess we inherit what we deserve. Right. That's where we are. Yeah, that's where we're at. Well, you guys have done such an amazing job of helping us work through problems and broken so many spells, whether it's the nature of our realm, Tavistock, Freemasonry, nuclear bombs, hoaxes, false flags, we could go on, psyops and all that. Danny devoured every show going back 300 plus episodes now. But for the uninitiated, where are some other places people could go to do some of their own research on these things besides your website? Because we all know Google yeah. feeds you whatever they want. So I guess that would depend upon what it is you're looking for. I can tell you this for certain because I write a lot of the episodes that just Crow and I do by ourselves without a guest. It's getting harder and harder to use the internet to do searches and things like that. They're doing very deliberate skewing of a lot of the things that I used to use just seem to not come up anymore. I have, what would you call it? Cross-check, fact-check things. It takes longer than it would have like four years ago. So it really depends upon the subject matter. And of course, since we deal with some things that might start touching on the esoteric, uh, you kind of have to know where, where you're looking for whatever the specific topic is. Now, with that being said, I'm still capable of writing things. Sometimes it just takes me longer than I want to. Yeah, I mean, on one end, Jason, I'm, I'm all about like, we're getting hard copies of everything we can get our hands on. You know, real books, because on one hand, we see how, you know, Wikipedia and all the online stuff is, I mean, that's a disaster waiting to happen. And, and actually, no, in my been, opinion, it's, it's, it's been happening. It's been yeah. in the making. Yes. You know, all of these, what do we call them, Mandela effects that are really just, you know, people just changing history, literally just editing it because primary sources are nowhere to be found. But at the same time, there was, oh man. Oh, Jason, have you heard this theory or looked into this, like the dead internet theory? I don't think so, but explain to me. Maybe I've heard it from a different explanation. Yeah, so it's basically that like the grand, grand majority of the internet is just AI constructed or just fake. It's kind of like, you know, when people go on Instagram and they'll buy a bunch of followers. Oh, sure. Yeah, it's fake. Yeah. It's you fake know, so it's like if you go and you search for something, it'll say there's a certain amount of results. And then when you really start to drill down, you see that it's nowhere even near the amount of results. And it always ends up being not just because of what Google's doing, because I know Google obviously has a big, you know, so much power. And I know also that Google has influence on other things that are not Google. So it's not even the fact that you're using Google. It's just how powerful Google has gotten. But this whole big swindle, it just seems like there's been this big swindle that started off on imagine 1999 matrix real world 
And we're here now when we think, whatever they say, we, we think it's closer to 2100 or whatever it is. But in reality, they probably killed the internet pretty early if this theory is true. Meaning that, you know, it started off with people starting their own websites and connecting on chat boards and things like that. But as, you know, it started to grow, more and more people started to think that there is this thing called the internet. And this internet can be so helpful and so useful. And as that's happening, most of the internet is being erased and the structures have been, you know, put into place that have us where we are now, where not just if you use Google, not just if you, you know, so it's use... more of like a propaganda machine. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just it well, shapes what we yeah. think we well, like I mean, it and like it that. shapes what. Yeah. yeah. So what do you think, Jason? Like, I mean, have you seen any variation of that or what are your thoughts on that? So nothing would surprise me, but I do have friends who are into the technological side of things way more than I am. And I don't know if folks are familiar with it. There's actually three parts to the Internet. There's like the surface Internet, then there's the deep web and then there's the dark web. So the surface internet is whatever you can just click on. It's things that anybody can access. The deep web would be like the layer underneath. I hope I'm not getting these backwards, but the deep web would be like what's in your Gmail box. I can't go there. You know what I mean? Like you need to log in to be able to access that. Then there's what they call the dark web. And that's all the stuff that you need, like a Tor browser to go to and all that kind of thing. And I only ever did that once out of sheer curiosity. And it reminded me of the internet, how it looked in 1996. It's like really stripped back, that kind of thing. So just saying the internet is actually just a very broad stroke to begin with. So there are a lot of people who are what you might call the hacker community and all that. If those kinds of things were going on in a very, very serious way, I would speculate, although there's no way for me to be certain, that they would know what's up, especially if they've been doing it a long time, and say, hey, something's screwy here. Yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying. But, I mean, if they're primarily on the deep web or the dark web, and most of us are on the regular web, would you say that they'd notice it even if they did it on that regular surface web, too? Like, that would ping their radar? Yeah, I mean, things are always being changed. I mean, Wikipedia is the very (laughs) good example. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen things change there myself. So, yeah, it can be. But like I said, if things were getting really drastically restructured in a way, it would affect the dark web, too, because uh, these are all infrastructures. You know, they're, they're all going through the way the Internet works is there is no such thing as the Internet. It's just a whole massive pile of servers communicating with each other. You know, the Internet isn't in any one place. There's hubs, but there's not any one place. It's like I'm going to the Internet. It's not like going to the local McDonald's or something, you know. Actually, McDonald's is a good example. The McDonald's are all interconnected because they're all McDonald's corporation. And they all communicate. That kind of thing and deliver poison. to you. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting because now that I'm thinking about it, this could be one of those situations where it's just placing that seed out on YouTube, you know, on a very popular channel. I didn't follow the guy, but someone sent it. I think Owen Benjamin actually shared one of the videos and then I found it and I watched it and then I watched the second one. But I mean, from what we've seen with everything else with Marvel and, you know, every single movie going back decades and decades could just be an example of another example of just predictive programming that will eventually be the case. Yeah, but let's also look at the other side. The internet is a dual-edged sword, and both sides are very sharp. But without the internet, we wouldn't have the connective voice that we have now. So years and years ago, if some terrible atrocity happened to one village, if no one survived or was able to get out of that village to tell other villages then people didn't know that village 
A over there got ransacked and you know they got pillaged and the women were raped and they murdered all the men like you wouldn't know nowadays the one thing we still have at least for the moment is this massive interconnectivity so it's like i have a friend in lithuania for instance what would the odds of that unless i had actually gone to lithuania a hundred plus years ago that kind of thing yeah yeah it reminds me of a lot of the things you guys talk about with respect to not only like you said it's a double-edged sword because On one hand, you know, I'm Cuban-American, my first generation born in this country. Both my parents came from Cuba. You know, the ability for me to talk with family in Cuba as much as possible, you know, with the way things are, learn about what's going on over there is amazing. But then at the same time, you guys have also highlighted how I could go to the movie theater right now and watch people's brains get blown out and they're just completely eviscerated and all that other stuff too at the same time. That's another double-edged sword. Oh, for sure. Fear programming. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If you had never seen a film or never seen TV in your life, what percentage of the violence you've been exposed to would be eliminated from a lifetime? And the other thing Jason was getting at is we see so much news that has some terrible thing to tell you, and yet it happened in this supposedly one little town. Let's just suppose whatever they're saying no matter how violent or far-fetched, let's just say it's true. What possible reason could anyone outside of that general community have the need to know they will be unaffected? Their life will never be affected by whatever that little violent act was. And so that shows also, it's like a movie. It's propagating this fear that has no business everywhere. It mattered here if it even happened. And I'll leave that since we're on YouTube. I'll leave that alone. But Crow, we need to spread awareness. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what. Common sense comes to a mind that's ready for common sense. When that one bridge is too far, when they're walking down the road, and that is the straw that breaks the camel's back, then the human mind will start to pull itself back around. And it's like the magnitude of a lie, right? So how is it that... We've been told we went to the moon, and then we later are 99% sure that's not true. How do we ever listen to that source again? Wouldn't an adult logical mind say, nope, he told me a mag-10 lie, nothing you ever say again will I consider or take on board. And if we did this one thing, the news would be out the door (laughs) immediately. How many times has the news lied to you? It's just crazy the kind of conditioning that we've been processed through. Yeah, it's all fear propaganda. And that reminds me when you talked about the violence. We actually had her on our podcast. She's a hilarious woman. Her name is Lenore Skanazi, and she wrote this book called Free Range Kids. And she talked about that, how in regards to like the rise of helicopter parenting, because that's something that I cannot stand. Like when I go to the park and all the moms are like, don't climb up the slide. And, like, and they're all looking at And they're kids. all like, oh, my gosh, it's our so dangerous. And I'm like, can you stop? Fun. Yeah, yeah. Or like not letting kids play outside anymore because of all this fear. Oh, my gosh, your kid's going to get abducted. So it's like that same thing. Like you wouldn't even have seen all that violence if it wasn't for The Walking Dead. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, they're raising, they're going to raise little basket cases. Right. That's the sad mm-hmm. part. Yeah, exactly. And kids that are afraid of everything. Yeah. How many children now? are being raised with the concept that you have to be afraid of the yeah. air and you have mm-hmm. to put a diaper on your face. Like, this is oh, just it's wild. absolutely it's wild. preposterous. Yeah. It's crazy. It's so bad. Guys, we're going to finish up here, man. I wish I could talk to you guys forever. I swear. We love you guys. We love what you're doing. Yeah. I will just say one thing on that topic that it's so amazing how self-perpetuating the whole system is because you think about the example of Lithuania that Jason brought up, some, you know, whatever, some random place far away 
it's always been that the masses spread the fear. You know, they just they plant the seed and then the masses spread it. And think about how genius it is that you get to go home, you get to post something online or make a comment, and you get to feel like you're doing something positive in the world by spreading awareness. Right. It's like the easiest thing. Put on a mask and you're a good person. Yeah. Or not just that. I just mean like sharing this news that just drives the fear. Mm -hmm. And you think I did something good today. And then it just continues and it never ends. Right. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Well, again, that's that part of the double-edged sword of the internet. The one thing the internet is certainly used for is mass propaganda. I mean, you certainly have heard the old joke that uh, the Amish don't have any cases of the uh, current situation, we'll say, because they don't have a television. Yeah, I love that. There's immunity for you, right? Highest level of immunity. I first heard you say that, Curl. I've shared that one with so many people because, you know, we spent a week in Amish country in, in Ohio and it was unbelievable, man. Like these kids were out in the field playing all day. The Amish don't get COVID, by the way. Yeah, no, that's what, that's what <laughs> no, I heard. They don't. Or autism, which is really, really wild. Yeah, yeah. or autism. Oh, wonder yeah. why. It's Very strange. Yeah, it's genetic. <laughs> it's genetic. It's <laughs> so guys, what's on the horizon? You know, what can we spread the word on? The floor is yours, both of you. Well, as far as the next couple of shows, we're certainly not backing down on anything we're doing. We release two shows a week. We try to do our best to make them as hard hitting and information packed as possible. Uh, if this is going out soon, then you'll be hearing from Big Bear himself, Owen Benjamin, uh, just did a show with us. That'll be the next release coming out, I believe, this Sunday. Covering his film. Yeah, covering his film. Part one of his Bertaria documentary that I think he's doing in, what did he say, Crow? Is it three parts or four parts? A couple parts anyway. So that's next. And then we also recorded an update with Jessica Brink on a lot of the stuff going on to uh, take control of your medical situation. She's very, very good at giving you the information you need to arm yourself to uh, fight back against the ridiculousness. And again, this is a person with lots and lots of successes. So we bring her back every time she has something to discuss. Jason, this is the one that was in California. She's out there in L.A. or something. Jessica Brink was on a previous show. If you give me two seconds, I can search her. I'm right in front of my site. Let me. Jessica's been on this twice before. And then there's Agent J. And she was the one that was out in California. And she's also been on several times with us. But Jessica Brink was the one who challenged like one of the counties, right, in California. And they ended up winning. Don't know. I can tell you that she was on episode 303 on Crow 777 Radio and 288. And I feel like what you're pointing out is a different person. Jessica is basically a patient advocate. You could look at it that way. Someone who's worked within the field, worked in insurance, worked directly in the medical field, but has shown people like getting locked out, can't see your loved one, things like that. And also pointed out things you don't want to get involved in. Yeah. Well, that's the kind of stuff that's actually very useful right now. We've had so many, some friends that have had just terrible experiences with their loved ones being locked, yeah, killed in the hospital and them not being let in and all that stuff. So, Well, that's what we're trying to stop. That's one of the things that we can definitely at least try to help to prevent. And Jessica Brink is one of the big people that really has a lot to say about that. And she's on the Telegram group that Alphonse Fagiolo has, and they offer legal remedy for a lot of things for free. It's an open discussion group. I, do you remember what they said? How many they're up to crows are like 10,000 people. Yeah. I think it was over 10 grand, but almost all the significant. Yeah. 
the significant law guests, many of them have gone there to include Jessica Brink, some of the medical personnel, and that was totally grassroots. We covered, do you even remember how we met Alphonse? We got an introduction somehow to Alphonse, and we had him on, and people started contacting him, and he ends up like helping hundreds, literally hundreds of people for free. And then this whole community blew up. And as we had and met other people, they coagulated into a group where they have open discussions. It's become quite a thing. Yeah, we love him. That's probably my favorite one. He's just the combination of his knowledge, you know, his accent, you know, his attitude. I just, that's my favorite one, I guess, out of all of them. (laughs) So we got Crow777radio.com. We'll share the Telegram group for Alphonse. What else can we share, guys? I guess I'll put, is it shootthemoonmovie.com? No, it'll be Shoot the Moon is the title of the movie. It's on Vimeo On Demand. If you go to crow777radio.com, there's a link to Shoot the Moon, and that will take you to the rental. If you're a member, a recurring member of crow777radio.com, we give you a free movie key. Other than that, what is it, Jay? Seven bucks, I think. Seven bucks, and you get to rent it for a couple of days, so you can watch it multiple times, which I definitely recommend because there's so much in there. The movie is, if anybody's not familiar, a compilation of Crow's clips that I we put together and intercut with narration and all that with a, an original classical score by a friend of mine who's a composer. We did the best we could on a very small budget to do a very, tried to give you a cinematic experience, but at the same time delivering the information in an interesting way. And as a matter of fact, we just won our ninth award for it from film festivals yesterday. I got the email. So, Which one was that again, Jason? Northeast Mountain Film Festival. Yeah, the one before that, I think, was Jaipur, India. Wow. Very nice. Yeah, we absolutely loved it. I will say this. I'll get with you guys offline because I've tried to watch it as a member a few times. And every time I'm just like, I don't have time. I don't know where the key is. I don't know where any of this is. So I just rent it. You have to ask for that. Okay, okay. Okay. He has to ask. The problem is, is the keys have to be generated on demand. So unfortunately, if you're a recurring member, you just send an email and it'll either get to me or Rose. And, you know, most of the time the keys get issued within an hour or less. Usually someone's someone's on it somewhere, um, but we, you know, they have to be created. Gotcha. The keys. That makes sense. Guys, it Thank was an so honor, much. man. I just can't believe it's like a year and a half later, just turning on to you. And here we are interviewing you. It was a big deal for me. You guys are <laughs> so much value that you guys are putting into the world. I've been saying it for months. Definitely my favorite podcast. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Oh, thanks for having us. Pleasure. Thanks so much.